All right, good afternoon, everybody. I uh, hope everybody here in Virginia is staying somewhat dry, whether you're here in the south side or the, the southeastern corner of the state where it's raining or whether you're in the central and western portion of the state where it's snowing and ice. Uh, hopefully everybody is staying safe and staying healthy. Um, I'd like to once again welcome you to another edition of the Hall Call interview series. I am Will Driscoll, the executive director of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. Um, this, this platform has been a lot of fun this last year. I can't believe it's almost been a year uh, since the pandemic began, but it, it, if there's anything that's good that's come out of it, it's this content platform that we have. Um, January 31st of this year, however, a sports writing legend in Virginia put down the proverbial pen uh, after 47 years with one publication. 2018 inductee Doug Dowdy spent almost half a century covering sports for the Roanoke Times. The three-time Virginia Sports Writer of the Year has covered events large and small and became synonymous with the University of Virginia Athletics Department. Dowdy retired from the Roanoke Times at the end of January, as I mentioned, with some impressive stats. He actually sent these to me today. 10,000 bylines, 2,000 college notebook columns, almost 400,000 miles traveled just between Roanoke and Charlottesville, mind you, that little drive right there, and over 12,000 trips to uh, football and basketball away games. Um, Doug, I think we could spend a whole hall call on just what you've seen from the road and some of your favorite places to eat, but uh, I want to thank you for taking some time out to join us today. Well, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I, I just sent you these numbers a little while ago. They were compiled by my wife. So uh, I, I haven't double checked those numbers. So if anybody wants to counter those numbers, uh, I'll, I'll gladly recheck it for them. But uh, I'm going to I'm going to trust her because if, uh, there's one thing I really remember from your induction speech in 2018, and it's that the Dowdies are always keeping score. Yeah. We're the Dowdies, we keep score. Yeah, we're the Dowdies, we keep score. So I'm going to trust those numbers. Um, Doug, while he did retire, he is still active on Twitter. He is still writing, so you can still follow him uh, at Dowdy Sports, all one word. Um, obviously, if you have any questions, this is on Facebook Live, so feel free to chime in, and, and we'll see if we can get them up there. Uh, but let's kind of first start off this way. You know, you retired. You retired that last day of January. Uh, what's changed since then? No deadlines to meet. Uh, how, how's life been treating you so far? I watched a lot of TV. <laughs> I watched a lot of games. Well, the, the funny thing is, uh, I I guess uh, I did I did go to some UVA games in January, and uh, it it just didn't you just didn't feel that comfortable at the games where, you know, a lot of you know you were uh, they did a good job of distancing uh, the writers from each other, but it's just it's just not. Uh, you know, not the environment that you would you would think, and I think you see that in a lot of the games now. You uh, interesting the other night, Florida State, Virginia played at Florida State, big win for Florida State. They had twenty eight hundred people in the in the in the seats, and you look at a place like Virginia, and you know there might be a hundred people there, counting you know families and whatever. And uh, well, it's just it's just interesting how the how the uh, different schools have gone about the, dealing with the coronavirus, and you know, a, a lot of I've heard a lot of conversations about, well, what what's the home court advantage like these days? And and I would say Florida State, when you get when you're playing a team that's not used to playing in front of anybody like Virginia, and you got 2,800 people in the seats, I think it makes a little bit of a difference. I mean, it's not like it's sold out there, and, and in Tallahassee, and I'm sure they're doing what they're supposed to do in terms of distancing. But I, you know, I, I still think even if everything else is equal, that the home court advantage 
even with nobody there, it still it still exists. Well, I think uh, you know Dan Mullen, the Florida football coach. He said as much after the uh, the Texas A and M game this year. He said that they, Texas A and M basically won because they had fans in the stands. Now, I don't, you read into that what you will. Um, from from a, a sports writing standpoint, though, and a sports writer standpoint, such as yourself, you know, what was a word to describe the last year in covering sports in this pandemic in, during the pandemic? Uh, unpleasant. <laughs> It's just you know I'm I'm I like going to games I like watching games I particularly like writing about games and writing a lot about people and it's just it's just it's like a nothing year it's though I don't think this will be viewed as anything more as the year when they you know had the coronavirus or and may and maybe it goes on past that I I, I remember last year where they got. Uh, almost to the end of the regular season. And then, you know, I know I was, I was here in Roanoke uh, getting ready to drive to uh, uh, Greensboro to watch Virginia. And uh, I think it was Notre Dame play. And uh, sure enough, right then and there, it ended. I, I barely got in the car before I turned around and came back. And uh, I guess it'll be a little bit different this year, but I'm not sure, you know, everybody is, is treating it differently. And I'm not exactly sure what the what the ACC is doing right now, but uh, boy, just this week that the number of schools that have have uh, are not playing this week that we're supposed to play, and there's still it just doesn't seem as if there's any been any growth in in how many games can be played and whatever. It just seems like gets almost work worse by the day and uh, particularly here in, in Virginia Tech Virginia Tech where where it was somebody it wasn't the players that had it it was you know people around the program and uh, you know it, it seems as if every couple hours there's another story on the internet about a, a particular game being postponed or canceled and and uh yeah, I think there'll be a national championship this year, but I don't think we can say for sure. Yeah, it, you know, you're the first person to really use the term unpleasant. I've asked that question to a lot of people and, you know, surreal, uncertain, those are a lot of the terms, but unpleasant, I think that that's probably the most honest assessment I've heard because it has been unpleasant. I mean, the last year has been so different for many people and particularly those who are so close to the games. Um, Let's kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about something that, that's a little bit more cheery. Um, somebody who you've covered for many, many years, from his time in high school to University of Virginia and then through, um, through the NFL, Rondé Barber. He obviously missed out on the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It, it's a call that we, we obviously support, um, and, and we do believe that he will get in eventually. What stood out to you most about covering Rondé and even his brother um, through their time at Cave Spring um, and through UVA and then, and then on into the pros? Uh, the, I got, I had a, a, it's funny you should mention it because I've, I've spoken to, uh, uh, Rondé this week and I've also spoken to his mother and I think that the connection was, uh, Bruce Arians mm -hmm. and Bruce Arians, the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went to Virginia Tech, played, was a quarterback at Virginia Tech and, uh, his roommate for part of that time was James Barber, who was a running back at Virginia Tech. And 
they were the first teammates uh, to room together who were, uh, one was black and one was white. And it was the first first time that had happened at school that, that a black player, black kid had room with a white kid. And I, you know, that's probably something about Bruce Arians that not many people know, but I, I spoke to Geraldine Barber, uh, the Barber twins mom this week and wrote a piece on that and just how close the Barber family is to the Arians. And, you know, they were, uh, you know, usually you find out that you have one family that has uh, UVA people in it and in another family that does, you know, tech uh, people. And, uh, but it was, I really enjoyed talking to her because just the, just how excited she was for the Arians family. And uh, I also spoke, spoke to Rondé during the week and, uh, uh, and I talked to Geraldine Barber, the mom, about what she thought were the chances of, of Rondé making it into the uh, Hall of Fame. And I would say, I would say that uh, that they're pretty good. Well, she said that what was interesting is uh, uh, I forget who the other defensive back from from uh, Tampa Bay was, uh, but anyway, they they uh, they put one defensive, John uh, Lynch. Lynch. John Lynch. They, John Lynch was put in and he he had played one more year than Rondé, but they played together most of their careers. And she thinks that makes it look better for Rondé to get in the Hall of Fame. Now, we didn't talk about Tiki. And I, you know, I'm, I'm always pushing people for Hall of Fames. I know that, yeah, I push, the, push your office for, for <laughs> player... Uh, athletes over the years but Tiki is the all-time leading rusher in the history of the New York Giants which is one of the most storied franchises in in the uh, in the NFL and uh, you know I don't know that he I don't think he's necessarily any closer I don't think he's as close as his brother is to getting in now but his numbers were, were terrific over the course of his career, rushing numbers, all purpose numbers. And uh, gee, when you think no one, no one from the Giants has ever done what he's done, you got to feel at some point, that, you know, that'll catch up to him. One, one of the first uh, hall calls we did, this is prior to the pandemic, when we were just still focusing on, on the podcast form, uh, we spoke to Thomas Jones. And in doing research for that, Thomas was inducted the same year as you were into our Hall of Fame. But in doing research on Thomas, he's 26 all-time in NFL rushing, over 10,000 yards. Number 25 is Tiki Barber. So, I mean, both really? of them so both of them have over 10,000 yards, and they're obviously in a very exclusive club. Um, and I don't know if it's just how running backs are valued these days, um, because what the two of them did, particularly in, you know, in, a, in their top four or five years, I mean, you, you could compare them to pretty much anybody. Um, but it is interesting to, to hear about, you know, Rondé and, and his, his, uh, his, his candidacy for the hall, because he, he really did it all. He, he could sack from that position, obviously had the interceptions. It was a great tackler. Um, and, and I do think that he will, he will get in someday. Um, and, and we'll see about, you know, some of the others, his brother and, and Thomas, I don't know exactly where they are on the ballot at all. Um, but speaking of halls of fame, you know, obviously we're the Virginia sports hall of fame. 
Um, you're a 2018 inductee, but there is quite a pedigree that came from the publication that you spent your entire career with, Roanoke. You have Bill Brill, you have Jack Bogachik, yourself. What made that team so special? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I, I just think we, we, we stayed with it a long time. You know, I, I was there 40 some years. Brill was there. I forget exactly when he got there, but, you know, he, he was a fixture. Bogachik was there for 20 years. Uh, you know, we, and a lot of the people went on to do very good things. Blair Kirkhoff, who worked with us for a long time, is, has been in Kansas City now for 30 years. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that uh, we were competitive, among other things. We had the, uh, we were the Roanoke Times, and there was an afternoon paper, the, the, World, the Roanoke World News. And it's funny because we were in the same office. And you're talking about your biggest rival and your seat is like uh, 10 feet from the person who covers your beat for the afternoon paper. It was, it was, it was bizarre. And uh, I remember uh, one of the first games I covered, uh, I was hired as a hockey writer. And one of the first, I, I got there during the summer and I was covering the uh, single A baseball team, and Bob Teitelbaum was there for the for the uh, afternoon paper, and we would he'd start in on me about the sixth inning about what are you going to write, what are you going to write, and you know I said I don't know. Well, he wanted to know what I was going to write so he would know who to interview for his story for the afternoon paper, <laughs> and we were at each other's throats all you know for two, three months that summer, and then for years after that. So uh, but that was good. I think that's, you know, the competition of the two papers, even though we, our office our, uh, office was in the same building, actually, the, it, it was funny because uh, they got in at uh, six in the morning and they worked till noon. And if I, let's say I wanted to come in there at 11 in the morning and start work on a story, that was, that was forbidden. <laughs> you, you were paid by the same people, you were in the same building, and yet you were huge rivals. So I think, you know, I think that had a lot to do with it. You know, Jack, Jack Bogachik actually said that. Uh, I don't know if you remember at the 2018 induction, but we had your speech and then we also had kind of a a sidebar after each inductee where it's somebody that they uh, was a peer of theirs was kind of in, in, in the crowd interview. And Jack actually said one of your greatest qualities was that competitiveness. And in hearing you say that, I, I'd never understood that that competitiveness was actually bred because of the actual working situation. But it's, it's amazing what that can do. Um, you know, there's obviously ton, uh, plenty to write about out in that section of the state. You, another thing you mentioned from your induction was that you had covered or written about 32 current inductees at that time in the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. If you had to describe the, the sports scene in Roanoke, Southwest Virginia region to kind of an outsider, you know, we're a little tribal in this state. What would be word or words you would use? Well, obviously you have the Hokies who are, you know, Virginia Tech that's 45 miles away from Roanoke and you've got Charlottesville, which is two, two hours away. So obviously um, you can never write too much about Virginia Tech. And then, you know, I think 
the competition between the schools was such that, and then you had a lot of athletes from the Roanoke area who went to UVA. I don't know that it, it necessarily, it just happened that way. I don't think it was uh, a, a decision thought of beforehand. You know, you, you look at, at the players who, who, who went from Roanoke to UVA, the Barber twins, Sean Moore, uh, Curtis Staples and the like. And uh, it, it just seemed that, that there were a lot, of, a lot of good athletes to write about, which was helpful. You know, you could, you, you could, uh, you could do a Rondé Barber, let's say story during the summer that he might, he might not be in Charlottesville at, at a certain time. And you could talk to them then. And I just, I just think among other things that we had a lot of very good athletes to write about in the Roanoke Valley and, you know, close by. I mean, you look at, and I've talked to you about this before, the Hen Henry County and Martinsville area, you know, they've got tons of players, athletes. You know, that, and that's the one thing that I think goes overlooked in this state um, quite often is because we don't have, you know, top level professional sports. We don't have those teams to, to associate with. Um, we kind of get overlooked, but you, you look at what the connections are to the state. And these are the people from our towns, from our high schools. And you just rattled off, uh, I don't know, five or six names that I know resonate with a lot of people. Um, you also mentioned that the University of Virginia is not even in the Roanoke Times circulation, but you spent countless, I mean, I already went through a couple of the stats, you kind of became synonymous with University of Virginia athletics. What made covering that beat so important to you? Well, I started out with some knowledge. I had gone to school there and, uh, you know, I actually, as I said before, it's, I wasn't hired to cover UVA. And in mm -hmm. fact, I'm, I'm a little, trying to think I'm not exactly sure when the first game I, I went, went to to cover UVA for the run of times but I I was hired as a hockey writer uh I've gone back over uh some of my stories when I first got there and, it, and apparently that I, I didn't write much hockey I covered a lot of baseball uh I covered swimming I still I just I, I actually uh, covered a lot of the swimming in our area over the years. And, and I guess part of that was because in Roanoke, the adults swim with, with the you know, various teams. And I was swimming myself all those years and kind of got into swimming. And uh, I actually picked the all times land swim team. I picked the all times land lacrosse team. Uh, covered a lot of high school games over the years. And I, you know, I, I guess people who followed me, you know, see me as the guy who covered UVA, but I covered a lot locally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I took pride in that, that I know a lot of people in the area. And I think people like to read about people they know. You, you, you know, you, you just mentioned it. You covered events big and small. In fact, it, many people said it was not uncommon to see you at a high school game on a Friday night. And then at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville on, on Saturday, was there a certain event or a level of event that gave you the most joy or pride in covering? Uh, no, I did. But I like picking the I picked the all times land uh, boys lacrosse team, the all times land girls lacrosse team. 
all times land, boys and girls swim teams, and it covered a lot of golf. And I think it's probably on here somewhere where one of my favorite stories is uh, I covered some high school golf early on and I covered some local golf early on. In fact, the, fir the first day I, I worked at the run of times, they sent me out to cover a women's golf tournament. Hold on a second. Our two Dog dogs. trouble. <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, the, the two month old is uh, trying to one up her older sister. But <laughs> I covered, uh, you know, they sent me out the first day that I, I worked at the Roanoke Times. Bill Brill says, Oh, we need you to go out to, to this golf tournament. So I covered a golf tournament, covered a lot of golf, local golf tournaments. But one of my favorite stats is the fact that. Uh, I think like the late 70s, Brill informed me that I that they were making me the national golf writer for the paper. Now, you're probably wondering, why does Roanoke need a national golf writer? Well, you know, I guess that helped me get into to a lot of PGA Tour events. I covered a bunch of Masters. I covered a lot of U.S. Opens. And, and the funny, the story that I like to tell is, they had a policy on the uh, PGA Tour with the media that if you covered 50 PGA Tour events, you could get a lifetime pass. In other words, you could after you covered those 50 events, you, you could then go for free to you know, the U.S. Open and the PGA and whatever for the rest of your career. As well, a fan I, or as a writer? As, as, as a fan. Oh, man. Okay. So, all right, so I had gotten to 48, <laughs> and I was right on the verge of it, and I inquired about it, and they said, oh, we've changed the, we, uh, we no longer have that. So I didn't get to 50. Never made it to 49, did you? <laughs> no, and I, th I think ha had I not known that I could no longer, had I known that I could still get to 50 and get that pass, I'd have done it, but uh, <laughs> I, I, at that point, I was covering a lot of other stuff, and uh, but uh, if I can't remember all those golf tournaments I cover, what I can remember was I had covered the recruiting of Ralph Sampson mm -hmm. during the uh, what was that, it was late '70s, and. Uh, he announced he was going to announce his selection, and uh, so happened that I I was unable to cover it because I was covering the golf tournament in Charlotte, that the PGA Tour event in Charlotte that weekend. And you could say, well, you know what, that Ralph Sampson signing was a little bit bigger in the long term than that golf tournament where I, whose winner I can't remember, yeah. but yeah. Uh, so that was one of the biggest things I ever missed was that Ralph Sampson <laughs> announcement. Oh, there, there's a there's a great anecdote in, in one of your last uh, columns for the Roanoke Times, and you did you did mention about you know missing the Sampson um, announcement, but you also mentioned um, you're a big bowler, and you 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 checked into a, a UVA basketball press conference with Jeff, when Jeff Jones was the head coach from oh, the yeah. bowling lanes. Jeff Jones, who's now the ODU head coach, and uh, he could. 
he could hear the uh, <laughs> the pins falling in the background. Yeah, it was. I was a, a Tuesday morning, and uh, they were going to have a press opportunity in Charlottesville, and uh, I was debating whether to go or stay stay in Roanoke and, and bowl, which normally the uh, you would it would be more important to to cover the, the UVA event, but uh, but I. I got on the, the uh, phone at the back of the bowling payphone back when they had payphones. I got on the payphone at the back of the bowling alley and so, so I could listen in on the uh, conference call or in the, I don't, I don't even know if they had conference calls back then, but whatever, I called and was listening to the press conference and I asked a question and Jeff Jones said, Hey, is that the sound of pins I hear <laughs> in the background? And I said, sure enough. And I said, yeah, I kind of draw the line at the NIT. If, if, he, if this is the NCAA tournament that, that you were holding the press conference for, I've driven <laughs> up there for that. I, and, I guess that <laughs> and he hasn't forgotten that. I guess that speaks to the relationship you had with the coach and how you form these relationships with the people you cover. Um, you know, kind of getting back to the recruiting, you mentioned not being at the, the Ralph Sampson announcement, but, you know, you're, you might not be credited with it, but you are at least mentioned in the conversation about how college recruiting is covered these days, particularly here in Virginia. You know, you were one of the first to really put an emphasis on covering in-state recruiting, where the recruits are going, are they staying in-state, are they going out of state? You know, what was the impetus for that? Why was that such an important subject to you? Well, it, 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 it all started with the sports editor, Bill Brill who was, uh, he was into recruiting. And uh, about 1980, he started, somewhere around then, he started the top 25 football prospects in, in the state. And it always came out around Christmas. And uh, so I, I, I had been into recruiting since I was in college and followed it in my early years at the Roanoke Times. And uh, so I said one year, uh, I'd like to do it second 25 with his top 25. And about the sec second or third year that we did that, uh, it got to be where my second 25 was better than Brill's top 25. <laughs> so he finally said, yeah, you do the whole thing next year. So <laughs> anyway, this was, uh, we, we had a top 25 this year. I think it's been every year since the late 70s. I don't know who's going to do it now or if it will be done now but I think a, a big you know when I look back at the early years there wasn't an emphasis on recruiting that there is now there weren't you know 20 sites devoted to recruiting there weren't any sites devoted to recruiting you just kind of called some coaches and you know what you know it, what was funny at the time is Brill coach called the coaches he knew and he would call you know uh, Joe Bush at VMI and whatever, and you know, they those people would would tell you who they knew about, but I don't know that it was like it was today, where everybody knows who the five stars and the four stars are. And you know, uh, we were lucky if we had an assistant coach at one of the schools that was very knowledgeable, because you just didn't have the, you know, the, all the all the names that you you'll see at the various sites now. Certainly an inexact science, um, even to this day, there's just more bells and whistles, you know, tied to it. But it, it is amazing to see how it has ballooned over the last four decades. 
Uh, beyond the wins and losses and all the championships and high-profile events that you've covered, is, is there a story or stories that really stick out to you um, from a personal standpoint as being your most memorable? Well, <laughs> I don't and know. If it's, if, it's, if it's about the ferret, <laughs> you know, I think we've all heard that story. <laughs> Freckles the ferret, yeah. Uh, oh, boy, I'd have to go back and, uh, you know, I don't, I'm, some of these... I don't know whether they're mentioned in there. There, there was the, the there was a guy. I wrote a story about the guy who uh, got out of the World Trade Center alive, but that that wasn't even sports. But that you know that's you know there were a lot of very good sports stories, but I just you know I I I'd like to jump on it a, a good story of any any assortment of, you know, if, if I saw something out there that I thought was a good story, even if it wasn't sports, I was going to pitch it. But, uh, you know, I'd, I'd have to go back. I could, I could go back and give you like 15, 20 stories of my, were my favorites, but, you know, I covered swim meets. I covered, I was, uh, it seems like the, there are always stories to be told. Uh, you know, talked to a girl last summer who was was uh, gearing up for the Olympics and couldn't go because of, you know, the coronavirus. So, uh, you know, it was the people rather than the events that I, I, I'll look back most fondly on. Yeah, I mean, 10,000 bylines. I know that that was a tough question to really isolate, you know, a couple, but I'm sure that there are, like you said, sometimes there, there are just certain stories that transcend sports and, and they just become those, those personal stories. I know from my time uh, working as a, a broadcaster for about five years, there, there are a couple that stick out and it's not necessarily the big ones. It's, it's the small ones, the, the human interest stories. Um, but to get to those stories, you know, you weren't a fan of flying. Um, and that, that you, you've made no bones about that. What is the farthest distance you ever drove to either get to an event or a story? Well, I, I drove to Omaha a couple times. Mm -hmm. I drove to Omaha. Well, in, well I, uh, obviously, Omaha is a site of the College World Series. And I went, Virginia played in the College World Series several times. And I don't know whether I went twice or three times but the last time uh our son who was a walk-on pitcher was on the team and my wife and i drove out there and it looked like uh i don't know whether they won or lost their first game but it looked like they were going to play florida which was the top seed in the next in the next round and it didn't look good for Virginia, so we drove back to Roanoke. And then we were in Roanoke for about 18 hours and decided, well, you know, they might, they might be Florida. So I actually drove, we actually drove back and forth to Omaha twice. So made, made the four, four, uh, four tr trips to Omaha. And uh, they won it all, so that was, I guess that was worth it. That is I quite the commute. Yeah, I didn't cover it. You know, <laughs> one of the biggest uh, covered Virginia all those years, and one of the biggest sporting events in, in program history, and I didn't write about it. <laughs> My son was playing, but uh, it was worth hanging out in Omaha for. I guess it added up to about six, seven days. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, I obviously appreciate your time and, and I won't keep you too much longer. We, we'll get you out of here on a few more after a few awesome, more questions. Man. But, you know, you're 47 years in at this point. You, you obviously uh, left the Roanoke Times at the end of January. You've seen how the media landscape has changed uh, drastically over the last few decades. What are people missing if they're not reading their local columnists or beat writers? Well, here's what's happened. And, and I'll, I'll, I, I'm not going to complain here, but uh, what has happened is, in my case, that the Roanoke Times uh, and other papers in the state were purchased by Lee Enterprises of Davenport, Iowa. And I think the feeling was, and I, and I don't know what was ahead for me, the feeling was that uh, it does does the Roanoke paper need to cover the University of Virginia? And obviously I, I covered Virginia for most of the time, but you know, now, you know, they, they look at, you know, they have uh, a guy in Charlottesville and a guy in Richmond and, and why do you also have to have a guy from Roanoke there? I do feel that I do sense from reader, do sense from or readers that they feel as if the paper nowadays is not as geared to the community as, as they would like. And, you know, I hear people complaining about, you know, they, I guess part of it is because you can read a lot of it online, but for old timers like myself, we still like to have the paper in our hands. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not working there, but I do the crossword. I still get the paper and I get the crossword every day and, you check out what's in there. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people grew up reading newspapers and would still like to see it. But then, you know, there's the younger generation who haven't, you know, who've seen nothing but online stuff. So we I don't actually, know where newspapers are going. And, uh, you know, if I were still at the Roanoke Times, I'd, I'd, I think I'd be faced with the decision, well, how much longer are we going to do it? Mm -hmm. Or am I going to do it? So, uh, uh, I guess now I'm I'm going to uh, try to get uh, under a hundred playing golf on it's, a more regular basis than I do now. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, one, um, you know, we we've seen the locally here in Hampton Roads how the papers have been affected uh, by the current landscape with the Daily Press and the Virginian Pilot merging and then staff being being laid off. Um, we obviously here at the Hall of Fame support local journalism and, and hope everybody else does. Uh, but to awkward transition into your golf game, uh, Mark Griffin actually just chimed in on our Facebook Live. Uh, he wanted me to ask you about your golf game and coming to the homestead, but apparently breaking 100 is, uh, is what you're trying to accomplish these days. You know, there was a time in my life where I could break 80. <laughs> and so uh, I don't know that anybody's gotten worse at the level at the, to the degree I have than I have because uh, I can Charles I can, Barkley, Charles Barkley. I don't know if you followed him over the years, but he used to be, Jordan used to say he was a good golfer and then his swing just went absolutely haywire. Well, you know, it, it, I hate to say it, but I'm a better bowler than golfer. And <laughs> that's not anything you want to brag about, but I am a decent swimmer for my age. Well, there you go. It's keeping active, staying healthy. That's that's always the, uh, the, the uh, uh, focal point. Um, you know, one more question. Obviously, you did this for 47 years. What's one thing you are going to miss the most 
And what's one thing you can easily live without? I, I just like telling stories. It, it's not necessarily, you know, writing a great story. It's just like telling a great story. And, you know, you don't, a lot of the people don't, you know, you don't go to the games now, even, even if you go to the games, for instance, I've, I've been to five or six games in Charlottesville this year. You know, there's nobody there. You know, you have to talk to people on zoom calls. Uh, I just miss the, you know, the interaction that you had before because it's, it's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, we're seeing it, you know, we haven't been able to, to host events. We haven't been able to hold the last induction we held was April of 2019. Um, and, you know, we're, we're hopeful we'll be able to do the 2020 class this year, but we'll see, you know, we're, we are at the behest of, uh, of something that we can't control. So, uh, well, well, Doug, as always, I'm still, I'm still very much a believer in, in your operation. And at any given time, I have a lot of people that, that from our area who I'd like to see in there. Uh, I forget who I was talking about the other day. Oh, this Charles Thornhill. You know, there are a lot of media people in in the uh, uh, Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. A lot of media people in there. I like to see more of the more of the old time players. Although you know, some of them are no longer living. But I'd like to I'd like to be involved with your organization and let you know about who we got that who we've got down here. Well, Doug, you know, we, we appreciate that immensely. Um, you know, one of the things that we, we will always struggle with as just being a nonprofit is, uh, you know, we're based here in the, in the southeast corner of the state. So we, we need eyes, we need ears of people to tell us about, you know, who made an impact in sports throughout the state because we are the State Hall of Fame. So we certainly appreciate that. And hopefully we can find a lot more people like you and keep sending those nominations because all it does is make for a very lively discussion at the honors court. Yeah, a lot, a lot of media people get picked. I'd like to see more athletes, more of the great ones that maybe have been overlooked in time. Well, this is a great, uh, a great conversation starter. And uh, as always, it's a pleasure catching up with you today. You know, I, I think a lot of people who, who haven't had the chance to read your columns before, if you can find some historical ones, please do, because your personality certainly comes out in your writing. Um, it, it was fun kind of taking a, a, a walk down memory lane with you today and, and you're still writing. So we're looking forward to seeing you uh, on the Dulles District blog um, here in the coming weeks, months, maybe years. So Doug, thanks for taking some time out today. Yeah, I, I feel it's my responsibility to contribute to the Hall of Fame, not, not just have the Hall of Fame having added, having added me. So uh, you'll hear from me. Well, wonderful. We appreciate that, Doug. Again, anybody who's following along, you can follow Doug on Twitter at Dowdy Sports, all one word. Um, I'd like to thank everyone who tuned in, as always. And of course, I'd like to thank our partners, Priority Automotive, the City of Virginia Beach, Davcon, Inc., Optima Health, ESPN Radio, and our friends at the Hampton Road Sports Commission. This video will be up on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at VA Sports HOF. Uh, at VA Sports HOF is the handle. Uh, once again, I'm Will Driscoll. Uh, with the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame and continue to do your part, help us get past this pandemic. And whatever you do, participate, don't spectate.